always, the nursery is available in the back for some of the younger children. Um, we've got our younger kids class here in the back and the older ones up front for any of the kids that would like to go there. And for those of us in here, we'll be taking our Bibles and opening to the book of Matthew this morning. The book of Matthew. You know, I always used to hear it say that uh, I'd hear pastors and preachers talk about how wonderful it is to have kids in church. And man, now as, as a pastor myself, it is, it is awesome. It's uh, a very older man of God that kind of trained me when I was younger. He says, you know what, one of the best ways to grow a church is from the inside out. <laughs> he had a, had a pretty good point with that. Man, I love it. So the book of Matthew, chapter number five. And what we've been talking about uh, over these past several weeks, and, and I've been thinking about this too. I hope we've not been getting bogged down with this, continuing back to go back to the same passage of Scripture. But man, there's just so much in here. I mean, we've been here for several weeks now, and we could just talk on for, for months and months about just the things that Jesus himself taught. But very simply, we've been talking about what it means to live in the kingdom or having kingdom living in the sense of, while, yes, we are not currently in Christ's kingdom, and we know that one day Jesus will sit on a very real throne, and he will be a very real king. Jesus Christ, the man, was in the bloodline of King David himself. King David, King Solomon, and Jesus Christ, the man, has every right to sit on the throne of David. And one day he will do that. But until that time comes, this is what Jesus did. While he was here on the earth, we know the story, he was born in the manger in Bethlehem and he walked and talked here in this earth. The Bible says that he preached the kingdom. Now I'm thinking, okay, how does, how does that work? What does it mean to preach the kingdom? Because, all right, Jesus didn't set up his kingdom. In fact, the entire, the entire area at that time was underneath Roman rule. So how is Jesus preaching a kingdom if he wasn't coming to be a king? This is what he meant. He was saying, though you are not in my kingdom, you can still live like it. There are still things that you need to do to present yourself as a member of God's kingdom. Then he started preaching through the Beatitudes. I use this example every week because of how perfect it is. If I were to leave America and to go to some other place in Europe or some other place in Mexico, wherever, as soon as I'm there, people would look at me and say, man, that guy's an American. He lives like an American. He acts like an American. He thinks like an American. He talks like an American. Why? Because that's what I am. Ladies and gentlemen, in this world, I ought to live like a member of God's kingdom. I ought to act, think, and talk like a member of God's kingdom. Though I'm not there, I can still live like it. And that's what we've been studying. So Matthew chapter number 5 is where we're going to pick up today. We have finished the, um, what people call the Beatitudes in Jesus' sermon here in Matthew chapter 5. Uh, we finished that where the Bible says all of these different men, they, they're blessed in certain ways. And last week we talked about how it's almost a blessed thing to be persecuted, which that was weird. But the Bible shows that if you are a person that's persecuted for the sake of Jesus Christ, man, the Lord's going to reward you for that. So now he says this, and this is where we pick up today. There's an illustration that is often used about Christians. God says that Christians are supposed to be like salt. Right? We're the salt of the earth. The Bible says that Christians are supposed to be like light. We're supposed to be the light of the earth. And every time I think about Christians being salt, we'll read the verse here in a minute, I I'm reminded of something that I did. Now, you're, it's okay to laugh at me at this because I look back and I laugh at myself. Do you guys remember when you used to go to, I don't think McDonald's ever did it, but I know Wendy's did. When I was in high school, 
I, I just ate fast food all the time. It was terrible. But do you remember when you used to go to Wendy's, you'd get some french fries, and they had the little, the little salt tear-open packet they would put down in the box of french fries? <laughs> probably, probably a lot of you already know where I'm going with this. I think I was driving or something. I can't remember what it was. I was just tearing in the bag and getting out french fries, and I was eating this thing. And I remember I reached down in there, and I pulled out the salt packet with my french fries. And, man, I bit into that salt packet and got a mouthful of just, like, salt with one french fry. <laughs> and it was just like, ah, you know, immediately I'm trying to get it all out of my mouth. And it was gross. Salt is a very pungent thing, isn't it? It has a very specific purpose, and it is very, very, it's very strong. A little bit goes a long way. I see this with my kids, and this is funny. Uh, a lot of times, even let it happen. My kids will see mom and dad putting salt on their food, you know, and they're like, oh, I want some. And I'm like, are you sure? You know, do you, do you know what you're doing with this? And then they'll take the salt shaker, and they'll just load up something with salt. And then with one bite, they're like, ah. I'm like, well, yeah, I tried to warn you, man. Why? Because salt is pungent. It's strong. It has a specific purpose. So the question we ask ourselves is this. What good or what benefit is salt if it doesn't have that punch to it? What, what good is it if it doesn't have that unique, distinct flavor? Well, if it doesn't, it's pointless, right? It has no purpose. That's what Jesus is getting ready to say. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter number 5, and we're going to look at verse number 13. And we're actually going to look at two illustrations that Jesus used, and we're going to talk about how we can act these out in our daily life. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 13. The Bible says this. Ye are the salt. There it is. Ye, Christians, ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Say, so, all right, Christians, you are the salt of the earth. If you are not savory, if you don't have your flavor, if you don't have that sense about you that salts the earth, then man, what good are you? As a Christian, what good are you? The Bible says that if salt doesn't have its savor, it's for no use other than to be cast out and just to be walked on. I mean, it's, it's not doing any good. Then he continues on. We'll talk about this next one, too, and probably even spend a little more time here. Look at verse 14. Christians aren't only salt. They're also this. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. We're going to talk about that. And the glory of your Father which is in heaven. So now, Christians, you're not only supposed to be salty, you're supposed to be a light. You're supposed to be a bright light. You're supposed to be something that people can see. Something that we don't really use anymore, but it, it is something that kind of, I still think is pretty neat. If a room is very, very black, I mean like dark black, I remember, oh, where was I? I think I was in Virginia. I went to see this cave, and it was really cool. You could go down in these caverns, and I know they have some here in Montana. This one specifically was, well, I think, in Virginia. And they took us down this elevator, and we went way down, and we went in this cave, and they had lights and stuff everywhere. And if it's the same one, there was actually an underground lake that was down there. That was pretty cool. But while we were down there, I remember the tour guide was like, all right, I want to show you guys just how dark it is. And they reached over and they flipped off the, flash, the, the light switch. And that was the most intense darkness that I've ever, I've ever seen. 
the lady was, that was given the tour guide, she said, it is so dark that if you spend so many days in this darkness, your eyes will strain and you could potentially go blind for straining just to see some sort of light. Because your, your eyes are drawn to light. They need to see light. That's what they do. And that, that straining would actually begin to hurt your eyes. And the cool thing was, in that type of darkness, you could have lit a match. Everyone would have seen. Everyone would have known. And it would have given so much light in the entirety of that cave with just a little match. Folks, that's the thing he's also trying to convey here as well. Christians, we live, and let's face it, we live in a dark world. And we'll talk about that here in a minute too. This is all introduction stuff. We live in a very dark world godless world and when things get very very dark we are commanded to take light into that darkness and sometimes that's hard it is i'm going to talk about why and we're going to talk about how you do that and that light can be so so bright and believe it or not a lot of people probably are even going to hate that light they don't want to hear it they don't want to see it and for whatever reason they love their darkness but that doesn't take away our command that we're supposed to be light. So we're going to talk about how we do that. Let's go ahead and start tearing into these things. We're going to go line by line. We're going to talk about these verses. And we're going to start here with this thing of salt. So the Bible said right there uh, at, at the first part of this in verse number 13. Ye are the salt of the earth. <coughs> Excuse me. Ye are the salt of the earth. So we talked about, and I asked this question, what good is salt if it's not doing its job? The, the interesting thing, you know, I guess... The, the whole purpose of salt is it is supposed to be something that is altogether different. I've never met anyone that just eats salt by itself. It's just plain. You, you don't do that. It's very, very, it's strong. It's something that you add to your food to help bring out the flavor. Folks, we are supposed to be altogether different than the way this world is. What we don't, and even as Christians, we don't want to think this way, this way but, but we have to understand it. And I want to present this properly. If we ask the question, did God create this world? Yes. Okay. Was this world created for his glory? Yes. Is God currently in control of every aspect of this world? I would say yes, but with a caveat. The Bible says that right now, Satan is the prince and the power of the air. This world is sin-cursed. If, if, you, if you will just for a moment think about how wickedness and sin is running rampant within this world, it ought to be something that brings a tear to our eye. I mean, when we can think about how the youngest of children can be abused and how people lie and they cheat and they steal and they murder and they hate. And then we think, OK, where's God in all this? Well, he's not gone. God is still very much real. In fact, God died on a cross to forgive that sin that we could be redeemed. But at this moment, Satan is still very present. He hasn't been defeated yet. Now, it's cliched, but we've read the back of the book. We know what's going to happen, and it's good. That's coming. But currently, Satan is still very real, and this world is a dark and sinful place. We have to realize that. So as a Christian, I am called to be salty. Something that is altogether different. That when people get a taste of Christianity and they see that that tastes different. 
That's, there, there's something different about that person. Why is it that he is not of this? Ladies and gentlemen, can't you tell? And I, I'm not a food critic. My wife will tell you. I'll eat just about, just about anything. Okay? My, my, she, she even laughs at me. Sometimes I'm like, hey, just, let's just eat a Spam sandwich. Okay? And he puts a mayonnaise on it. That's actually pretty good. Okay? If you don't like Spam, you're, you're odd. I like Spam. <laughs> anyway. But you can tell when something has salt and when it doesn't, can't you? I mean, you, can, you, just, you just can. You'll, you'll take a bite into something, you'll say, man, that, that, needs, that needs salt. That needs that specific flavor. Folks, this world needs us to be different because without the salt, it's never going to understand who Christ is. We talked last week about what, it, what the importance of, this was in our second service, we talked about the importance of having missionaries. And having people that are sent around the world. And we ask that question. How will they ever hear of the name of Jesus without a preacher? I was in the book of Romans. It says, how is anyone even going to go if they're never sent? And that's why we send missionaries. How are the dark places of this world ever going to believe in Jesus Christ if no one ever goes and tells them who Jesus Christ is? Well, it's, it's a rhetorical question. They won't. They'll never know. That's why it's up to us to take a look at the world. See how it is. And I need to ask myself. Am I so bland that I just blend into every aspect of this world? Or am I salty and so salty that I stand out and I'm altogether different? You see, that was the same question that Jesus just asked. Read it there after he says you're salt. Ye are the salt of the earth. Okay, there it is. But if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? Ladies and gentlemen, if as Christians... We are so bland that we just blend into the world and nobody knows that I'm any different. I don't act any different. I don't think any different. I don't talk any different. I don't present myself any differently. Then how in the world are they ever going to know that I'm different? Now, in a few minutes, we're going to get into something that a lot of times we, we don't talk about, but we should. We're going to talk about works. Now, please hear me. Works do not save a person. They can't. You can never, ever, ever, ever work your way into heaven. That's not the way it works, okay? But when I have Jesus Christ living in my heart, it ought to make me act and think different because Jesus is different. See how that works? So we're going to talk about how those act out in a minute. But the point is, I can't be so bland that I just mesh into the rest of the world. The, how in the world am I going to actually act out as salt if I just taste exactly the same way the rest of the world does? So he keeps asking these questions. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, if you taste exactly like everything else, wherewith shall it be salted? How is the world ever going to know what Christianity is if you look exactly the way the world does? And then he says this. It is henceforth good for nothing. It is not beneficial at all, but to be cast out and to be trodden under under the foot of men. It's like, look, you can call yourself a Christian all day. You can say you're a child of God all day. You can make these claims all day. But if you taste exactly the way the rest of the world does, then that claim is worthless. Now, could you be saved and born again? Yeah, sure. I, I use this guy as an illustration because, and you, I, I think I even used him last week. We talk about um, Lot, Abraham's nephew. And Lot was a guy that lived in Sodom and Gomorrah, and he's lived his life completely given over to sin. But the Bible says that he was still a righteous man. 
I honestly believe there are people that can be born again, they're Christians, and yet they somehow still give themselves completely over to sin. There are people that can do that. That's why we have to choose to say that, you know what, I'm not going to live like this world. I'm not going to blend in. I'm not going to mesh. I'm going to be salty. And when people see me, they're going to recognize that I'm different. I don't want my Christianity to be vain. And, you know, we've, we've heard that word. And I think, I think vain gets tossed around a lot of different words today. But ultimately, vain means this. Empty. Pointless. It, it, it's, just, it's just air. It's nothing. Yes, I can be born again, and for me, that means maybe one day I'm going to heaven and I'm going to be with the Lord, and I long for that day. But as far as the rest of the world is concerned, if I am not savory, my Christianity means for nothing. There's a verse over in the book of James, and I didn't write it down for you. I apologize. But James said this. He said, you're te- you tell me that you're saved, and that's a good thing. He says, okay, but I'm going to show you something. And James says this. I am going to show you my faith by my works. And folks, that's what happens. The Bible says that we are saved unto good works, as in for the reason of good works. God didn't save us and give us a new life just to say, okay, now you're all set. You never have to, never have to do anything else. God says, no, I've, I've now bought you. You're mine. Now go tell people about me and serve me. Folks, that's not a burden. That is a privilege to get to serve the creator of the universe. Man, that's not a burden. That ought to be a blessing. And if we truly love God, that should be our heart's desire to want to stand out for the Lord. You know, one of the greatest privileges of a Christian, and this is something that I love, and and I hope and pray every one of you at some point get to experience this. And and this is is not me. I, I take no credit in this. But I have been able to take part in other people accepting Christ as their Savior. In the sense, I have been able to share the gospel with someone, and that person's like, man, that is, that, that is something I need. And they realize that they're, they're, they're a sinner, and they repent, and they get saved. And that means one day, I'm going to get to be in heaven, and I'm going to see that person, and I'm going to remember the time that they bowed and accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. And that was something I got to take part in. That is something that is far more valuable than anything else this world has to offer. And I hope that everyone gets to experience that just by being able to be that salt and be different. Now, he talks about salt, but then now he's going to shift gears. and want to talk about light for a little bit. Because light is something that carries a little bit of a different context. And I'm going to show you some verses that go with it. So we'll probably spend a little bit more time here. Let's go to the book of John, chapter number 8. John, chapter number 8. And verse number 12. John chapter 8, verse number 12. John chapter 8, verse number 12. The Bible says this. Now this is, of course, when Jesus was still walking and talking on the earth. Then spake Jesus again to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Now, one of the things that's important to understand about this is Jesus talks about how Christians are the light of the world. And then I remember one of the times I read that, I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's, that's contradictory. Because in one scripture, you see that the Bible says, okay, Christians are the light. 
And then now there's another verse over here that says, no, Jesus is the light. So I go to think, okay, which, which one is it? Is it the Christ? Is it the people that he saved? And then, then finally I was able to put it together. I'm going to show you some other verses. Ladies and gentlemen, once you get saved, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. He, he comes to dwell in you. You become an altogether different creature. The Bible says you are a new creature. Old things are passed away, and all things are become new. So Christ is the light of this world. Now, I want you to think of yourself as a candle. Okay, Think of yourself as a candle. Um, real quick, just as, as a quick break. When those of you got, got married, did anyone do a unity candle? Was there anyone that did that? I know that was I got one. I know that was a thing that was kind of kind of a thing in the past. My wife and I we did uh, we did sand because we were on the beach. So we took one jar and two different kinds of sand and we kind of mixed them together and they all become mixed. And I've seen some people do brands or whatever. But for a long time, a candle was kind of the it's a thing that people did. I want you to think of yourself as a candle for a minute. The Bible says that when you are born physically, even though you're alive as a person, you are dead in your trespasses and sin. You were born spiritually dead. That's why Christ told Nicodemus in John, he's like, you've got to be born again. And Nicodemus is like, okay, yeah, you want me to go back into my mother's womb and be born a second time? And Jesus is like, no, you've got to be born of water, talking about your skin. He says, then you've got to be born of the spirit. Your spirit has to be made alive. So it's like you were born physically as a candle that's not lit. So what happens is the moment that you get saved, just like in that unity candle, you have these two flames that kind of come together and become one or whatever. The moment that you get saved, it's like that candle that's inside of you gets lit. And it is lit with the light of Jesus Christ. Christ is the one that's that light. And when he comes and dwells within you, you now have a candle that you can take to the rest of the world. Before, that thing wasn't even lit. It was out. You were born spiritually dead. But Christ can light that thing. Now, again, let's go back to the current condition of this world. Folks, if anyone says the world is not a dark place, and, and I'm, I'm not trying to be unkind, but this is, this is both scripturally and factually true. This world is a dark and sinful place. If, if we don't see sin, it's because we have isolated ourselves and we live in a bubble. I have a very, a very, a, a very close friend who, who I, I respect greatly. He made this statement once, and I didn't know what he meant until probably the last, it's about three, three or four years ago. He said this, people live in a world that does not exist. And I'm like, what, what are you talking about? He said, people live in a world that doesn't exist. And, and we have done a very good job of creating this bubble for ourselves. And, and by the way, there's, there's nothing wrong with protecting our family and protecting our homes from sin. But I also think it's wrong for us to be like an ostrich and stick our head in the sand. What we've done is we've created this bubble for ourselves and we've said, hey, within our bubble, everything's great, everything's wonderful, life is great. But meanwhile, all around us, the world is dying in sin. People are literally losing their lives. You know, I've, and I've told you guys about my own family. I've, I've lost family to, to sin, to things, things like drugs and depression and all that kind of stuff. And I think to myself, man, I know what the light of Jesus Christ can do in your life, but they choose to reject it. 
and sin will take their life from them. Folks, sin has that effect on people. They are bound and they are chained in the darkness of this world. And here we are holding the candle. And we're supposed to take that light and show it to them. Man, let me show you what Jesus Christ can do. You're in this world of darkness. This light ought to be shining bright. And that's the point. Why would you have a light and put it in a place where it's not going to shine where anyone can see it? Now we get to the verse and we get to the question. Look at it again. And um, we'll go back over here to the book of Matthew. I'm going to read it real quick. We're going to stay in John, but I'm just going to read you the verse. He says, ye are the light of the world. Okay, that's us. A city that's set on a hill can't be hid. If you've got a big city and it's up where everyone can see, you can't hide that thing. I mean, think about Billings. You, you can't hide Billings. He says, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. Okay, neither do people light a candle and hide it under a bushel, but on a candlestick to give it light into all that are in the house. So the question is, if, if your power goes out, now, right now, back on the East Coast, um, you know, you guys know that hurricane has come through. Uh, my, my personal family, they've gotten a little bit of rain, but that's pretty much been it. But every now and then, you, your, your power goes out. And when you don't have any lights, we've got one of them oil candles. You take the thing off, and you turn up the wick, and you light it, and then it'll light up the whole room. You don't light that candle and then go stick it in a cupboard. That, I know that sounds ridiculous. But essentially, that's what he's saying that we are doing. When we get saved and the Holy Spirit comes within us and that candle, that fire in our heart gets lit. Okay, man, I'm lit. I'm, I'm saved. I'm born again. But I still want to live a life of darkness and never let anyone see my light. What? What, what sense does that make? Why would I want to continue living in darkness when I have a light that can shine into all the world? The light of Jesus Christ. A few other verses. Let's go to the book of 1 John. We're going to turn a little bit, a little bit farther back. This is, this is towards the end of the, end of the Bible. 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, then Jude and Revelation. So if you go to Revelation and flip backwards, you'll find it. 1 John, chapter number 1, verse number 9. While you're turning there, I'm going to give you this real quick. You might be saying to yourself, man, Preacher, I, I want to I be a light. I, I, I've seen this darkness. I have seen the wickedness of the world, and I want to shine that light. Ladies and gentlemen, you'll never be able to shine a true light until your candle's been lit. And that's getting saved. That is allowing the Holy Spirit to forgive you of your sin and you becoming born again and becoming a child of God. The Bible says in Romans that it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That is when the Holy Spirit does a work in you that you yourself cannot do. That is the moment of salvation. But once that's happened, 1 John 1, 9 comes past. I'm going to read this, and I want you to think about, think about yourself real quick. When I read these verses, ask yourself which one of these you are. 1 John chapter 1, verse number 9. It says, And if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So we kind of have to ask ourselves for a moment, all right, wh which, which one is, is it? Am I just confessing myself to be a Christian? Am I just saying that I'm a Christian? Or has there been that moment where I have truly confessed my sin before the Lord and had that candle lit? So I'm going to take you to another verse of Scripture, and we're going to kind of move on from this point. Let's go to Matthew chapter number 5, verse number 46. 
And I, and I know we're flipping this morning, but I want you to see these. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 46. So we're back in the book of Matthew. In chapter number 5 again. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 46. If I could give you one um, attribute of Jesus Christ, I, I would hope, I would hope that attribute I always want to talk about is the love of Jesus. Now, is Jesus Christ just? Yes, he is. Well, we know that he is just and righteous before sin. But the Bible also says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Yes, justice must happen, but he took a punishment for you so you don't have to face it. But the Bible says this. We're going to talk about love. We're going to talk about shining that light with Matthew chapter number 5, verse number, let's look at 45, 46, 47, 48. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brothers only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Wait a minute. Preacher, you're talking about the light. Why are you talking about love? This is where we're going to switch into talking about our works. Let me ask you something. How does someone know that you love them? How do they know? Do they just look at you and say, oh, okay, yeah, that, that person loves me. I just know because, well, well, I just know. You know. Sometimes it's like, oh, what's the way they look at me, Right? But, but typically, the way someone knows is the only way they're going to find out that you love them is if you express that love to them. I, I will never forget when, when my wife and I, when we first, we first started dating, I started asking her out on dates and stuff. And, and it, was, it was awkward and it was strange. That was t- 10 years ago. My wife and I got married. So it had been 11 years ago we started dating. And, and I remember I was trying to think of all these other little things that I could do just to, just to express that I love her. And uh, just a quick story. Because I like telling them. Uh, I used to work at a phone store at the time. I worked as a salesman for, for Verizon Wireless. And my wife, her, her phone messed up or something. So through my connections, I was able to get her a phone just so I could start sending her text messages. Right? So I'm like, yeah, I did a good thing, but now I can start flirting with her too. But how do you express love? You do what you can to express that to others. You do works. Okay? Preacher, but works don't save you. You're right, they don't. But the only way you're ever going to share that light is if you present that light to them. That's why you have a light, so you can do good works for other people around you. And what Jesus Christ is asking here is this. Verse number 46. If ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Here's the question. If I only do good, to the people that are good to me, how am I any different than anyone else? If I only do good to people that do good to me, how am I any different than anyone else? Folks, you can go to any country in any culture, and people know how to treat their children good. 
they know how to love their parents. For the most part, they know how to show love to their spouses. Those things are generally universal. I understand there's exceptions, but we're not going to get into that. It, it is generally universal that people love people that love them back. But Christ says this, if you're going to share the light of the world, you've got to show love to everybody. You've got to show love to them that hate you. You've got to show love to them that might persecute you, that might talk bad about you. Folks, you know who our perfect example of that is? Jesus Christ. I, I want you to think about this dynamic for a minute. We know the story, and it's been a long time since we've talked about it, but I think most of us know it. Jesus Christ, when he went to the cross, he took that cross, and he had to carry it on his back up the hill of Golgotha. On his way up there, they were spitting on him. He was already bleeding profusely. His back had already begun to coagulate from the stripes that they had put on his back and then covered it even with a robe on top of it. They put the crown of thorns on his head. They beat him. And while he is carrying that cross in front of his abusers, he was doing it for them. How many of you would die for somebody that's spitting on you? I don't know if I could do that. But see, that's the love that we are called to mimic. That's what showing the light of the world is. We are not any different if we only love people that love us back. Even the wicked people of the world know how to do that. But man, showing the love of Jesus Christ, that's altogether something different. I want to show you another verse that goes with that. Let's go to the Gospel of John. Okay, This is not 1 John. This is just a few books over. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. The Gospel of John, chapter number 1. Verse number nine. And this is where we talk about how you can do that. How in the world am I ever supposed to show love to somebody that hates me? How am I ever supposed to live different? How am I supposed to be that salty? How am I supposed to be that bright of a light? I am going to answer you this. You can't. Well, preacher, you just told me to do something. Now you're telling me I can't do it. Yeah, that's right. I'm asking you to do something that you can't do. So 1 John, I'm not, excuse me, the Gospel of John, chapter number 1, verse number 9. Here's your answer. Um, let's, you know what, let's back up. We're talking about uh, John the Baptist, and he's talking about Christ. Let's go to verse number 6, then we'll read down to it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, and the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might be saved. Oh, so John was bearing a witness of the light. He was not that light. Aha. John the Baptist was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighted every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. All right. There was our answer. The Bible says that John the Baptist was sent by God to bear witness of Jesus Christ. The only way you will be able to fulfill God's command is if you are sharing the love of God. It's not your love that you're sharing. It's God's love that you're sharing. This is, this is, where, this is where we are called to do something that we're not able to do. My love isn't strong enough. My love isn't good enough. My love fails my love is weak. My love will have an end. My love runs out. But if my candle inside me is lit with Jesus Christ, 
then I'll be able to share a love that's not mine. That's a love of God. Then I'll be able to present something that's altogether different, like salt. I'm not going to be someone that blends. I'm not going to be someone that meshes with the rest of the world. My light is going to be something that shines in a dark place. And while all around me the world seems to be in utter chaos, people will be able to look at me and say, eh, that guy, he tastes different. Why does, why does he stand out so different? He looks different. He acts different. He talks different. He does things. Did, did you hear how much he likes that guy that was just talking bad about him? How are you still able to be kind to people that hate you? Man, that, you're weird. Yeah, we are called to be weird. We're called to be different. Why? Because this world is dark, and the darkness does not understand the light. But just like salt, if we're not savory, what good is it? If our light isn't shining, if we're not proactively saying, hey, look at my light, what good is it? It's just like lighting a candle and sticking it in a cabinet where nobody can see it. What's the point? Folks, God saved us so that we could take that light and show it to others. Ladies and gentlemen, that starts in so many different ways. It starts in my home. It starts with my kids. It starts with my wife. And then it starts in my, the room, my, my extended family. Then it starts with my friends. And then it starts in my community. And then we can start talking about missions, and it goes to people around the world. So my question to all of us today is this, and we're done. we got like two minutes, and we're done. How salty are you? How salty are you? When, when, when people see you, like for me, I'll, I'll use myself as an example. When people think the name Trevor Martin, what do they think? Do, do, do they see a guy who's just like everyone else? They taste just like everyone else. They, they present themselves just like everyone else. Or people say, man, that guy is salty. He's just different. What about my light? I mean, I, I can tell you, I know within my own heart, and I think every person knows this answer for themselves, at least I hope you do. Every person knows for themselves that Jesus Christ is within their hearts and living within them, and if they have repented of their sin, they're saved. You know that. At least if you don't know, you can know, and I can show you how you can know. But if your light is within you and your candle has been lit, are people seeing your light? Are you taking your light and showing it to others? That should be the question. Not that people see it. Are you doing things to show your light to others? Or are you just opening the cupboard, sticking in there and shutting the door and living in darkness like the rest of the world around you? Folks, that is kingdom living. That is me being a member of God's kingdom and taking it to this dark and broken world so that people have hope, and that hope is Jesus Christ. So I could, we could go on and labor this point. But what we're going to do is we're just going to have a moment of invitation, as we always like to do, where we invite you to do business with the Lord. And I want you to ponder that question. Are you showing your light? Are you actively doing things to present that light to others? Or to use the other illustration, are you living kind of salty? Are you showing yourself different than the rest of the world? Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. And for just a moment, here in a minute, I'm going to have some music that's going to play. And while this music plays, I'm going to ask you, where is your stance as it relates to the rest of the world? Do you blend in? Do you mesh? Do you taste the same? 
as far as the light goes, is your life dark? Is it is the light kind of hidden? Or is it are you taking that light of Jesus Christ and presenting it to all men? Our Lord, we love you. I pray that each and every one of us here that has the light of Jesus Christ in our hearts, that we would take that and share that with the world, and that we wouldn't hide it. I know sometimes that might mean that we stand out and we live different and maybe even would bring some mocking and scorn in our lives. But Lord, I pray that we would be willing to stand out for Jesus Christ. So folks, with every head bowed and every eye closed, this is your moment to do business with the Lord. Maybe right there in your seat, you just like to spend some time, take a few moments to pray. Sometimes people like to come to the altar and pray. If you do, that's fine as well. But I just ask you, How salty are you? Are you you taking that candle and showing it to the people around you? Or are we just kind of tucking it away and no one will ever know? Folks, remember, it's not good works that saves us. But man, it's through our works that mankind knows that God's real. Our Lord, thank you again for being so good to us. I thank you that you would send your son Jesus to die for us, to take the punishment from our sin for us. And I ask that you would help us to take that good news and share it with everyone. And may we be something that causes people to want their candle lit. I pray that we would live in such a way that the world sees the light of Christ in us. The Lord bless us as we leave until we come back here together next time. May this be something that we can work on throughout this entire week. Lord, I pray you'd help us to honor you and to live for you every day. And it's in Jesus' name.